uh, Five Love Languages. Uh, it's the name of a really good Christian book on marriage and its point is we all feel loved in our various relationships and friendships in one of five ways, or maybe one or two. There are five different ways and uh, we feel loved in uh, one or uh, two of those. Some people feel loved and appreciated when they receive gifts. A bunch of flowers, an expensive birthday present, a special night out. Some people feel loved with physical touch, with a hug or holding hands. A hand on the shoulder at the right time uh, really conveys to them that they are loved. Uh, then there are people who feel loved when you tell them that, with words of affirmation, uh, make them feel special. That dress really suits you. Or, you did a great job with that presentation. I love the way you're so organised with paying our family bills. I trust you completely. Uh, words of affirmation. Then for others, it's not so much the words you say or the gifts. It's just being there, being with them. Quality time is what really counts. Long conversations over coffee, just hanging out together in the garden. Long walks in the country. Quality time. Finally, there are people who don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. They don't want gifts. They don't want hugs. They just want to see action. They want to see acts of service. For these people, nothing says I love you like changing a dirty nappy or doing the washing up. I don't know which you are, which way you feel loved. The genius of this book is recognising that we often say I love you to others using the love language that we like, that we understand. But often that's not the way the other person feels loved. And so we might be wasting our time. We might be wasting our gifts. We might be wasting our hugs. The message misses the mark because the other person's deaf to it. And so the message of the book is you need to say I love you in the language that the other person receives, the way they understand it. Otherwise, they may not hear you. They may not feel loved. Great book. What's the point? Well, whatever your love language is for our human relationships, John here wants to say that there's one love language that all Christians understand. Uh, this is the way God says, I love you, to his children. He's got a love language. John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, he says, He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Sending Jesus, sacrificing him to mend the relationship with us. God's love language is gifts. God's love language is gifts. God loves, but more than that, he demonstrates it, he reveals it, he wants us to know it, to receive it, to feel it, and he wants us to trust that love. Do you see it there in verse 16? And so we know and rely on or trust the love God has for us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It's just a little verse sitting there right in the middle of a whole stack of verses about love, but I think it's really important. God has shown us, God loves us, he's shown us love, that's important, but it's also important that we receive it, that, that we know it, that we understand it, that we trust it. Especially in the face of false teachers, teachers who want to tell you something else about God 
and his love. And so that's what John is doing here in chapter 4. He's showing us how we can know God's love and how we can trust it, how we can experience it. And, And then how we show that we know it as we reflect it and live it out in our loving relationships with others. So God's love language is the giving of his son to save us. John wants to make sure we hear it, that we feel loved, and then reflect that onto others. Uh, and if we, can, if we feel loved by God, he says towards the end of the chapter, we can be confident in the face of judgment because we know God's love. That's the message. So the first part, how can we know that? How can we know and trust God's love? We need to know who it is who loves us. What sort of God is the one who loves you? Well, first... Love isn't just something God does, it's something he is. Love isn't just something God does, it's something he is. Did you notice these verses? In verse 8 and again in verse 16 it says, God is love. Not God is loving, notice it's God is love. It's natural for God to love because he is love. More than just a quality, love is part of God's essence. From all eternity, God loves. Even before there was anything else to love, God loved. You see, God is three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And love is one of the best ways to describe the relationship between those three persons of the Trinity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit loving each other from all eternity. I think that's what John is getting at when he says God is love. God is relationship complete, fulfilled and total. And so love isn't just something God chooses to display, it just bubbles out of his nature. One commentator says, to imagine that God doesn't love us is to deny God's true nature, to repudiate his character. It's to distort the free grace of God into something much less worthy. It comes from his very character. So that's one thing. Who is the God who loves you? He's the God who is love. What else do we know about this God? Well, verse 2, he's the one who sent Jesus Christ in the flesh. That's the God. Again in verse 9 and 10, the God who loves you is the one who sent his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins that you might live through him. Or verse 14, the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Some people say they know God loves them because they watch a pretty sunset. Some people say they have a feeling of peace as they meditate by the ocean. Some people feel that God loves them because they get a, a great job or because they have a healthy baby or because they're wealthy. God loves me so much because my life is this. Or because I feel this. But the reality is those things come and they don't come to everybody. To God's children, to those who aren't his children. Those things are not a sign of God's special love for his children. But what is a clear communication of his love is the giving of his son to save undeserving sinners by dying in their place and then to forgive their sin and to pour out his Holy Spirit on them so they can trust, obey and love him. That's love, the giving of his son. Can you hear that? Can you see it? Do you you receive it? Is that a love language you can understand? 
That's the God who loves you. Well, that's the first step to knowing and trusting the God love has for us, to know the God who loves us. Well, the next step uh, from verse 12 and then again in 16 and 17 uh, is that we need to make God's love complete by loving others. We need to make God's love complete by loving others. But what do I mean by that? Have a look at verse 11 and then I'll explain it. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 16 and 17 says a similar thing. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us. Now, John is not saying there's something missing or incomplete in God's love, that it lacks something. It needs us to do something to make God's love complete. Like uh, a teenager who half cleans his bedroom. It's not like that, that then you come along and you complete the job, which you might do, but that's not what God's, completing God's love is like. What he's saying, I think, is that God's purpose in loving us is that we respond by loving others with his love. Uh, it's the, the, the goal of God's love of us, the logical outworking, the intention of God's love for us is that we reflect it on, that we love others. That word for complete, it's the, it has the idea of finishing or hitting a target or achieving an end goal. To complete God's love is to achieve the goal that he has for his love for us. Have a look at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love begins with God. It's his nature. We receive it as his children, and then we pass that love on in a secondary sense. We're the 45-degree mirror that receives love vertically and then reflects that on horizontally. I think that's what John is getting at in verse 10 when he says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. He's not saying that we can't love God at all. I think what he's meaning is that true love doesn't begin with us. It doesn't come from us. It begins with God first. We didn't love God first. He loved us first. And so John is saying we can't love others truly in the way that God loves uh, unless we've been loved by God. When we know his love, when we receive it, when we're joined to that God, only then can we begin to love others with the love he has for us. You can see that order in verse 19 when it says we love because he first loved us. We love the way the moon gives light. The moon doesn't produce light from itself. The moon simply reflects the light that comes from the sun. True love doesn't come from us. It shines from God unto us and then we know it, we trust it and reflect it on. We complete it. In fact, you can't actually show God's love to others until you know God's love. You can't show it until you know it. I think that's what chapter 5, verse 2 means. It's a little confusing, as John often seems to be, until you stop and think about it. Uh, 
We, we expect chapter 5, verse 2 to be the other way around, I think. Have a listen to it. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. I think we expect it to say the opposite, don't we? We expect it to say, this is how we know we love God, by loving his children. John's actually said that quite a few times already. Uh, love you can see proves the reality of the love you can't see. But, but in chapter 5, verse 2, he says it the other way around. I think John's saying something different. When we love God, when we understand his love for us, and when we respond by obeying his commands, only then can we truly love his children. We can only truly love his children when we know the love of God. We know what it means to love, uh, to love others because we know what it means to be loved. If you don't know the sacrificial, undeserving love from God, you can't give that. You can only give a pale imitation of that, a twisted misrepresentation of God's love, like those carnival mirrors that distort your body. If you haven't received the undeserving, forgiving, giving everything love of God, if you haven't understood your unworthiness of that love, if you haven't known and trusted that, you can't truly love undeserving people. You can only love conditionally. You can only love with a reflection, with, with an imitation of God's love. You can only love when, you love when you receive love back or when the other person deserves it or when you feel like it. But John says that we complete or perfect God's love when we receive his love with humble thanks and then reflect that and love others in the same way. And so verse 16 says that's how... We know and rely on the love God has for us. We know the truth, and we've experienced it, and then we've given it. Well, third point. Uh, what all of that means is that, if that's all true, we can be confident when judgment comes. That's the next step, verse 17. Love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence in the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. So is he saying that on Judgment Day we can be confident because we are so loving, because of our ability to love? Well, I hope not, because I certainly wouldn't feel confident if that was the case. But look at how he continues. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Now, I think there's a verse that's probably one of the most misapplied or misquoted verses, but... Think, look at the context, it's talking about judgement. Another thing to help us understand what it means is that word for perfect is the, is the same one as complete, or the, this is how we perfect, how, how we fulfil the love that God has for us. Uh, complete love drives out fear. Does that mean the love that God has for us or our love for others? Well, I think it's, I think it's probably both. God's love is completed when we receive it and reflect it. That sort of love shows that we're God's children and when we display that sort of love then we can have confidence on the day of judgement because we know we truly belong to him. We're his children because we're loving like he does. The false teachers want to undermine that confidence uh, 
because they distract people from how God shows his love. False teachers help people or stop people from knowing and relying and reflecting it. So how are you going with that confidence in the face of judgement? Are you longing for that day or do you face it with fear? That day when we'll see God face to face and when we'll know him as completely as we are now known. To be confident like that on that day begins with knowing and relying on God's love, learning his love language, learning to appreciate the way he shows love. See it demonstrated in Jesus who laid down his life for you, an undeserving sinner, who loved you when you were thoroughly unlovable. Study it, meditate on it, sing it, speak it, trust it, and then reflect it by loving truly your Christian brothers and sisters. This love that gives everything to those who don't deserve it. What love, my God, would bring you down to earth? What king would take a low and lonely birth, yet to this dark and broken place you came to sleep beneath the stars that you had made? What love, my God, would send the way of life to walk the road rejected and despised, that you might know the weakness I possess and be my rock of strength and righteousness. What love, my God, could hold you to the tree to bear that overwhelming debt for me? The Son of Heaven leaves the Father's side, the healer bleeds, the life was made to die. What love, my God, so gracious and extreme, was strong enough to come and fight for me, to go through hell and down into the grave and raise me up to see you face to face. Oh, your love, my God, like a flood, as heaven opened up, pouring out on us. Oh, praise the King who came into the world in his love like a mighty flood. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are dull and blind. Uh, you have demonstrated your love to us and yet we refuse to see it, to know it, to trust it, to accept it, to live it out. Forgive us, Lord God. We pray for your spirit to give us the ability to know, to understand, to receive, to trust and then to live out the love that you have for us, that in the face of the coming judgment, we might not fear, but would trust you, uh, because you love us so much. Amen.